You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 23rd. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka Superior Court Judge Jude Pate has been appointed to the Alaska Supreme Court. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy announced Pate's appointment on Friday afternoon. Pate was selected from a list of four attorneys and judges nominated by the Alaska Judicial Council in December. Pate was Sitka's public defender for over a decade from 2006 to 2017. Before that, he worked as in-house counsel for the Sitka Tribe of Alaska and as a private practice attorney. He moved to Sitka in 1993 after earning his law degree at Lewis and Clark Northwestern School of Law. Five years ago, Pate was appointed to serve as Sitka's Superior Court judge by then-Governor Bill Walker. In an interview with KCAW in 2018, shortly before he was sworn in, Pate discussed how he'd handled the transition from lawyer to judge. Yeah, it's going to be a change for a baseball player to become an umpire, but it's a, it's a different job. Maybe you'll miss the thrill of the chase, but um, I'm looking forward to a different role and experiencing a different side of the law. Pate was in court on Friday and could not be reached immediately for comment. He will fill the vacancy created by Chief Justice Dan Winfrey's retirement. Sitka's community orchestra is back in action after a nearly three-year break during the COVID-19 pandemic. As KCAW's Meredith Reddick reports, the intergenerational group is tackling everything from Dvorak to Beethoven. It's a Tuesday evening at Blatchley Middle School, and members of Sitka's community orchestra are tuning their instruments for their second rehearsal as a group. Before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, Sitka had a robust community orchestra. Now, after a three-year hiatus, director Drew Larson is bringing musicians back together. Nice accents and style on the lead notes, nice full sports on those is what we're going for. The orchestra currently has about 30 members, ranging from 6th graders to retirees, and even includes a few parent-child duos. Elizabeth Bagley and her 13-year-old son Ian sit next to each other in the brass section, and Melissa Bunny plays her cello one section over from 12-year-old Ruby on trombone. I like the, the Thunder Mountain Waltz, the Thunder and Lightning Waltz, because I like the bass line. They're about to launch into Ruby's favorite tune with a reminder from Larson to focus on dynamics. And every so often we get a sports honda right on B1. So we have da 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 Larson has been the Blatchley Middle School music teacher since 2019, and he directed Sitka's community orchestra back in 2020. Many of the musicians here are dusting off decades-old skills or experimenting with new instruments, like Ruby, who plays violin and triangle in addition to trombone. Beth Short-Rhodes is transferring her piano skills to the glockenspiel, or orchestral bells. They're a piano keyboard, so it's still really challenging, though, because it's um, just a different movement with your hands and a different instrument to learn, but it's so amazing to be a part of this group, and I'm able to be a part of making music that otherwise would be too complicated for me, so that's why I love it. Beyond the standard woodwind strings and brass sections, the orchestra has one unusual addition, the alto saxophone played by 13-year-old Khalil McCormick. McCormick already knows his favorite piece to play with the orchestra. 
Well, I just started today, but <laughs> out of the ones that I've gotten, I'm going to have to say Largo. Largo is a movement from Dvorak's New World Symphony. Other pieces they're working on include an excerpt from Sibelius's Finlandia and an arrangement from Mozart's The Magic Flute. Director Larson has worked hard to make sure that the pieces are accessible for the whole group. There's a fine balance between uh, making sure that the top players are engaged enough and, and um, pushing things musically while you're not leaving some of the, the newer players behind, um, which can be very frustrating for them. So finding that balance of picking hard enough music and moving quick enough while at the same time uh, making sure that no one's left behind. After a short break, in which Larson prompts everyone to talk about their favorite ice cream with another musician, they start on an arrangement from Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. It's one of the more difficult pieces the orchestra is rehearsing. While Beethoven's Pastoral is challenging, the orchestra has some time to fine-tune their delivery. They perform for the first time in three years on March 10th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Meredith Reddick. The orchestra is currently preparing for its first concert since 2020, which will be held March 10th at the Sitka Performing Arts Center. Rehearsals are on Tuesday evenings at Blatchley Middle School. For more information, visit our website at kcaw.org. Like many areas in Alaska, Petersburg has a housing shortage. Their housing task force has been working since the fall to find ways to create more available housing. The task force requested $55,000 in funding from Petersburg's Borough Assembly on Monday for a study known as a housing needs assessment. They say it's an important step to securing grant funding for housing projects in the future. The Assembly approved the full $55,000, but not without some disagreement. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra has more. Some members were skeptical that the assembly needed to spend the cost of a mid-sized luxury car to figure out that Petersburg had a housing problem. Here's assembly member Tom Feinwalsh. I have a hard time justifying $55,000 for an outside company to come and interview us and just ask us what we think we need and then charge us $55,000 for our answers. That seems ridiculous. In a later interview, Assemblymember Bob Lynn says he has a deep respect for the task force and their work, but he says he doesn't want to throw money at the issue without a crystal clear understanding of what the borough would get from the investment. My hesitancy is, is that I'm worried that we're going to go down the road and keep spending money and spending money, and at the end, it pushes the borough into us having to, one, take a much greater responsibility in housing and or two, uh, raising mill rate in order to pay for something along those lines or redistributing wealth. Feinwalsh ultimately came around and the assembly voted four to two to approve the $55,000 study. Assembly members Donna Marsh and Bob Lynn voted no. It will be funded by leftover COVID relief money. Jalen Palmrenke is housing director at the Petersburg Indian Association. She says the assessment is a first step to getting grant funding. A lot of the ideas that the housing task force has been coming up with rely on funding from outside sources. And a lot of those funding opportunities require a housing needs assessment for any type of application. So we've decided that this would be the first step to getting these ideas off the ground. 
She says the study won't just look at housing needs. She says it will be a more holistic look at housing assets and shortages. By calling it a housing needs assessment, I feel like the better way to identify it is a housing and needs assessment, where they'll take stock of resources in Petersburg and specific programs that are running here and kind of tell us where, you know, you're doing really good at this. You could do a little bit more on this side. Palmerenke says the assessment will also be a resource for nonprofit organizations working in Petersburg. It's not just something that the borough can utilize. It's something that other entities in Petersburg can utilize as well, too, when they're making grant decisions and applications. It's a a key to a door that we couldn't open without it. The task force has explored available housing grants, including some through the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. In one grant, the federal agency offers communities up to $500,000 to transform unused stores and warehouses in town into low-income housing. But even the assessment likely won't be enough to win funding for Petersburg housing projects on its own. The borough's community and economic development director, Liz Cabrera, says the borough may also need a housing grant specialist later on. Because these are highly complicated Um, grants, uh, applications that you're going to be putting forward. Generally for HUD, um, they are really complicated. And then the other end of it is um, implementation. You know, there are, there's no such thing as free money, and those grant funds come with lots of strings. Anchorage-based Agnew Beck Consulting will put together the housing needs assessment for Petersburg. It's the same company that completed the borough's comprehensive plan update in 2016. In Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. The Housing Task Force will present their top three housing ideas to Petersburg's Borough Assembly at their next meeting for feedback. That will be at noon on February 6th. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Circle of Security Parenting Program meets for seven sessions at noon on Mondays beginning today, January 23rd, at Sitka Counseling. Registration is required. For information, you can email lhodges at cfc.org or call 907-966-4229. Sitka Tribe of Alaska Social Services reviews its proposed model plan grant renewal application for the Child Care Development Fund at noon today at the STA headquarters boardroom and via Zoom. All are invited to give input. The Zoom link is on the STA website and Facebook page. For more information, you can call 907-747-7221. The Sitka Community Land Trust holds its annual public meeting at 5 p.m. today at the Hames Corporate Office Conference Room at 208 Lake Street, Suite B. For more information, contact Mim McConnell at 907-738-2888. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Mm -hmm.